Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Alright guys, we're going to get started, man. If you make your way in here, I know it's raining. I know it's raining. I'm going to give a little bin room as guys are walking in right now. Welcome to Man Challenge. Alright, hey, how many of y'all were really, really excited about the Super Bowl? How many were happy with the outcome of the Super Bowl? How many? Boo, yeah, okay. Alright, well now, now that football's over, I guess we can move on to um, March Madness. I know that would be exciting for um, some people, maybe. Um, and baseball, yeah, hey, ready for baseball, right? It's the start of baseball season, so excited about that. Um, hey, real quick before we get going, I want to celebrate something that, that's happening. We got two guys that got engaged. Um, where's Austin Clements? Bussy, there, where they at, Bussy? Yeah, hey, hey, let me just tell you something. That's not a that's not a ball and chain that you guys are setting up for, man. That's that is an exciting thing, and marriage should be celebrated. So, man, I'm looking forward to to watching that. As you guys know, we want to create a discipleship-making culture. And as we do this culture, um, it's created by male, authentic male relationships. And as we want to do is we want to grow in competence and confidence in who Jesus is. And when we do that, what I've come to realize is you shine the brightest when you serve and you give back. And with Man Challenge, with men's ministry, actually, we have a couple of initiatives, okay? I'm going to mention a couple of those right now. It is one is widows and single moms. Man, we want to come alongside of those, that group of people, okay? There's a lot of them out there. How many of you all have actually partaken in some of that, where you went out and you've served single moms and widows? Anybody in here? Hey, I've talked to some of you all, and you said that's what makes, made our table come together is by serving. And guess what? That's what's created to do. Another initiative that we have is we, we want to come alongside of Go Ministry. Okay, and on February the 22nd, we have a group of guys that are going to serve. They're going to go down there. This is a great ministry with, with Will and Brooks. And um, I've been before, and I've seen the need there. And when these guys are going, I asked um, Parker and, um, and Brett if they'll make these guys. They're making their way up here now. I asked them, I said, what are you guys actually going to be doing on this this trip and he said Chris basically what we're doing is we're going into the area and whether it's construction whether it's encouraging or equipping we want to serve and that's taking the gospel the message of Jesus Christ into another country and all of these men will be used in a mighty way they're thinking and they will go and serve people but I promise you we will hear story after story after story of what God shared with these guys Okay, so as a group of men, what we're going to do is I'm going to ask Parker if Parker will kind of pray over this group. And I want you to be praying as well for these men on February 22nd. Not just on that time that they're gone, but preparing their hearts for what God's going to do with them on this trip. Parker. Yep. 
God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity that we all have to spend time with you and spend time with each other, uh, being intentional with each other. God, I thank you also for the uh, opportunity. We are humbled, excited, and grateful to uh, be given this opportunity to go service your hands and your feet abroad. And God, we know that there are domestic needs. Uh, we know that there are local needs. We know that there are needs everywhere. Um, we God, thank you for the uh, the calling that you've put in our hearts to to partner with Go Ministries to uh, to go abroad to expand our horizons and to um, enter into uncomfortable zones uh, in order to to spread your gospel. God, we pray that you prepare our hearts. Uh, we pray that you bless our travels. We pray that you bless our time and efforts over there. And um, God, we are just so grateful. God, we love you. We thank you for this morning, for your son, for the cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give it up for these guys right here. Thank you, guys. Hey, we're really excited about starting a new series with you. It's going to be a 10-week series where we're going to actually um, look at what Scripture says about the life of Solomon. And, um, and we're going to look at Solomon's life. What would you like to have a, a dad like David? And then you ask for whatever you want, and guess what you're giving? You're giving wisdom. You want wisdom above all things. And from the world standpoint, Solomon has everything. But towards the end of his life, as we're going to see as we go through the series, Solomon at the end of his life says that everything is vanity. That really the story of Solomon is supposed to, everybody is supposed to push us to the life of, of Christ. And so don't get it mixed up in the weeds about Solomon's life. Everything's to point us to a man named Jesus. I'm a, I'm a proud father today because um, I've known this guy that's going to speak to us uh, for a while. Um, I have three daughters. God's blessed me with three daughters. But over my um, life in ministry, God has blessed me with having men in my life that I have had a chance to, to pour into and to disciple. Um, this guy's a former wide receiver um, for a football team. Um, he's... Uh, he played on the Orange Bowl team. He was captain um, his senior year. He was involved in an incident his, um, early on in his career at college. And I remember this incident happened. I remember he came in, and he was just down. And as he walked in, I just remember looking at him and saying, Hey, when you quit running from what God has for you and you surrender your life to him, he is going to blow you away with the plan that he has uh, for you. Shortly after that, he gave his life to Christ, had a joy of walking with him and discipling him. And um, like I said, this is, this is a son to me. And now he's married, former um, cheerleader, Caroline Lopez, now Caroline Long. They have two children, um, Eden and Eliana. Um, Scott Long, why don't you come out for us? Give it up for Scott. Well, Scott, um, we'd like to ask a couple questions, but I, I kind of want to start it just with a, what your children said about you. I, I, called, I called and talked to Caroline and um, asked the children what they love the most about their father. And here's what, um, here's what Eliana says. Her favorite thing about her dad is he's really good at playing. He stands up for them. Preach pretty good, she said. Yeah, Eden said this. Eden said, you're funny, you're nice, and you reflect Jesus. Caroline, your wife, said that you are steady, you're dependable, and you're, 
empathetic and humble, and that leads people to Christ. Man, I, I'm, I'm super proud of you. I love you like a son. I'm so proud of you up here. What would you say to these guys if you could go back and talk to your 21-year-old self? Hmm. What 21. Would you, what would you say? 21. <clears throat> I'd say, um, man, 21. I'd say take these 5 a.m. mat drills seriously because one day you'll have to get up and speak at 5.30 in the morning to a bunch of guys. That's good. Um, <clears throat> no, I'd say, uh, I'd say be humble and take responsibility. Um, be humble and take responsibility. I'm not going to jump all into my testimony, but a lot of what God had to do in order to grab my attention and, and to call me to himself was he had to humble me, he had to break me. And uh, I believe it was you who told me that before God can really use a man, he has to usually break him first. And so uh, God had to do that to me, and uh, I wish if I could speak into my own life, I would just say, man, you could just go ahead and humble yourself now uh, before God has to, but uh, I'm thankful for the experiences that I, that I have. So yeah. I'm excited about hearing about it. Let's pray for him. Father, I thank you for Scott. Lord, um, it's a joy um, to watch someone grow in the faith. God, I pray that you be with him today. God, I pray that his words... Um, will take root in our hearts and may it bear much fruit. Yes. I'm looking forward to learning from him today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, how are we doing this morning, guys? Good, good. Hey, if you got a copy of God's Word, I want to ask you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings uh, chapter 2. And I'm going to go ahead and jump into it. I appreciate Chris kind of sharing uh, those things. And, uh, man, he has been such an instrumental part of my life and my walk with God and really just kind of shaping me and investing in me and inviting me in to kind of see what uh, really what uh, a life with God looks like. And so, uh, man, you got a great guy as a part of leading this ministry here. And many of you, I'm sure, know Chris, but I'm so thankful uh, for him. But First Kings chapter 2, I'm going to read the text beginning in verse 1. We're going to look at just four verses this morning. Um, as it relates to manhood, but this is the word of God. It says, when David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes and commandments, his rules and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel." Um, growing up as a kid in uh, the 90s and early 2000s, there were uh, a number of men who were celebrities that really kind of shaped the culture. Um, and you had like 
Uh, guys like I'm thinking about, you know, Michael Jordan, who was his airness, who just was brooding with confidence and with swag and was winning championships and proving that uh, he was, uh, is the, the GOAT. Nobody, you know, after the 90s is arguing that or, or before the 90s is arguing that. Like you got uh, uh, LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Anybody who grew up in my era is like Jordan. No, 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 no question, Right. Uh, and then you've got guys like Jay-Z, who was a hip-hop mogul, who really kind of helped young people, in my culture at least, kind of think about, you know, manhood from this idea of power and respect and, and money and things like that. And then you had The Rock in wrestling entertainment, who was laying the smack down on all the jabronis, okay? And, uh, and then you had the first person that I ever associated with the term billionaire, who was Bill Gates, and you had all of these different people, and this is just a short list of men who kind of shaped uh, culture and men who I really kind of grew up kind of looking to and thinking about manhood from their examples and the things that they did and said from their platforms. And uh, I actually grew up in a home without a father, so I didn't have a, a, a man, much less a man of God, who took the Bible and who said, this is what manhood actually is. So I grew up kind of learning manhood from these examples, and I kind of grew up learning that manhood was about money, and it was about power, and it was about sex, and it was about violence, and it was about you being strong and taking what you want. And having a swag as you do it. And the problem that I think we have, not just with my generation, but with most generations, is that we've got too many men who are learning about manhood from the culture rather than the scriptures. Right? Like we got too many men who are looking to the, the, the cultural idols of the day and learning about manhood from the locker room and learning about manhood from, you know, you know, cooler conversations at work and learning about manhood from the culture rather than what God says in Scripture. And that is kind of one of our biggest problems of the day. In this passage, though, David, at the end of his life, pulls his son close to him, and he instructs him on what biblical manhood ought to look like. David, as you know, as you've been kind of walking through uh, this series, David was one of Israel's greatest kings. David is known for some highs and some lows in his life. David is known for slaying the giant Goliath and leading Israel through all kinds of victories in war, but he's also known for a huge failure. He's also known for committing adultery with a married woman and then having that woman's husband murdered in order to cover up his tracks. So I'm sure in a room this big, we got a lot of guys who have made a lot of mistakes and done a lot of things and got a lot of issues. I doubt we got guys who are kind of rivaling David and how David kind of failed and had some failures in his life. But David finished his life strong, and David finished his, his reign and his rule as king very faithful. And the Bible actually says that David was a man after God's own heart. Guys, how do you go from a man of adultery to a man after God's own heart? Well, it's by the grace of God in your life changing you and transforming you. 
David was transformed by the grace of God, and here he is at the end of his life. He pulls his son Solomon close, and he says, Solomon, this is what it means to be a man. I want you to understand what manhood is all about, what a God-centric, Bible-centric man looks like who walks with God. And he gives him three things I just want to lift for you this morning out of the text. Number one, he shows him that a man invests in the next generation. A man invests in the next generation. Notice what he says again in verse 1. When David's time to die drew near. By the way, that's going to happen for all of us. Doesn't matter how much money you make. Doesn't matter what title you have at your job. Um, you're not going to peloton your way out of this or exercise your way out of it. Like, like all of us are going to die and go the way of all the earth. So he says this, you better invest in something. That matters. He commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, so be strong and show yourself a man. The first thing that David teaches about manhood is not what he says, it's what he demonstrates. By pulling his son aside, a younger man, and giving him direction in life. He demonstrates that manhood is about taking what you have experienced and taking what you have learned by walking with God and pouring it into younger men, pouring it into the next generation, giving them a, a vision for how to walk in truth and how to walk in a direction that honors God with your life. It's about investing in the guys behind you. Now, obviously, David here is pouring into his son. It says he called his son Solomon. What I think that means for us practically is that the first place that mentorship and investing in the next generation ought to take place, guys, is in our homes. It's in our homes. It's by being fathers to our children and raising our children, particularly our male children, in what it looks like to be men of God. For those of us who are fathers, for those of us who are dads, your children don't need a ball coach, they need a father. For those of us who are fathers, for those of us who are dads, your kids don't need you to go and to make a whole lot of money so they can live in a big old house. They need you in the house more often than not. We need to love our kids and we need to discipline our kids and we need to teach our kids what it looks like to be raised up in the things of the Lord and disciple them the way that David is his son here. But there's also a call on our lives and a responsibility on our lives to pull in young men who maybe don't have that direction from a father. Chris Morgan talked about his relationship with me and, and kind of how he invested in my life. And there's somebody I'm sure that God has placed in your life that kind of walked in the same roads that I did. Maybe they didn't have that direction and maybe God has placed you there that you might do a Matthew, you know, 28 and, and invest in their life that God has called us to make disciples and to teach people how to walk with God. As we have kind of prioritized our own home and got that in order first, we go and then we do that with guys around us that God has placed. So a man, number one, is a pastor and minister of their home. You're a shepherd of your home. That, that, that David doesn't kind of wait here for his Sunday school teacher to teach his son about the things of God. He teaches his son about the things of God. And one of the challenges that we have to do as men, especially as those who are fathers, is to say, I'm going to invest in the next generation and, and, and I'm going to show them what it looks like to be a man of God. Here's one of my biggest pet peeves about our generation, my generation and above. 
One of my biggest pet peeves is that we have all of these people, and I hear it, I get in conversations who, who talk things about the younger generation and say things like this, man, these kids today just don't get it. They don't get it. This generation today is this, and this generation today is that, and they're lazy, and they don't work hard, and they're entitled, and they do all of How many of you have ever kind of heard some stuff like that, right? Talking and, and bashing on the younger generation. Well, here's the question I always have when I hear that. What are you doing about it? Like, God, one of the biggest problems that kind of lead to the violence and the poverty and, 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 and all of the mis, you know, guidance that we have today is not a lack of education and resources. It's a lack of men standing in the gap and teaching younger men what it looks like to be men of God. So we've got the solution, like we've got the pattern, we've got the, the mode that we need to be calling them to. And so who is going to step up and invest in them and say, hey, come follow me as I follow Jesus? That's what we need more of. Number one, a man invests in the next generation. But number two, a man walks with God. A man walks with God. Notice what he says in verse three, and keep the charge of the Lord. Your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes. Walking in his ways, this idea of walking is to, to move in a pattern or to move in a lifestyle. So David is here telling Solomon that if you want to be a man, you got to walk with God. you got to walk in the direction of God. And he tells him how you do that in the next phrase. Walking in his ways, here it is, keeping his statutes, his commandments his rules, his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and whenever you turn. So David is here describing God's word. He's describing the Bible. He's describing the place in which God has spoken to people. God could have used a lot of different means of communication. We're talking about the all-powerful God here. He could have wrote his testimonies in the sky with the stars. He, he could have, you know, kind of just kind of blown omnipotent power on our, on our Campbell's alphabet soup and kind of put it in the soup and did it that way. But he chose to write and to breathe out the scriptures so that we might have a revelation from him about who he is and about how we ought to view ourselves. He's done that in the scriptures. And I don't know about you, but as I was growing up and I was watching all of these different men who had this power and who had this great physique and, and all of these things, kind of I thought that biblical manhood was about physical strength. That if you could lift a bunch of weight and you were strong and you had this big imposing presence, that you were a man. And guys, we've got far too many guys today who are strong in the weight room but weak in the scriptures. Like who, who couldn't actually find 1 Kings when we say, hey, turn to 1 Kings chapter 2. And like, where is that? Like, turn to the table of contents. And that's not to knock anybody, and that, but that's, that's to challenge us and to say, man, we ought to know the scriptures like we know the sports stats. Like, heaven forbid that we know, like, all of the, the, the records and all of the statistics from U.K. basketball in the 80s and L basketball in the 90s, and we know all of these things, but we don't know what God's Word says, thus saith the Lord, about how to walk with Him. 2 Timothy chapter 3, I believe they have this on the screen, says this, all Scripture is breathed out by God. That means inspired by God. What was on the inside of God, He breathed it out. 
and profitable, meaning it gives a return on investment for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Essentially what this is saying is that everything that you and I need to not just be a man, but to be a man of God is found in the Bible, guys. The Bible is going to teach us what it looks like to, to, to respect a woman and to honor a woman. The Bible is going to challenge us and teach us what it looks like to, to view our sin the way that we ought to and to try to crucify and to turn away from those things and honor the Lord. The Bible is going to teach us how to handle money. The Bible is going to teach us how to invest our time and our talent and our resources. The Bible is going to teach us how to, how to overcome lust and how to overcome pornography and put those things away. The Bible is going to teach us about how to walk with God. we got to know the scriptures. And especially if we're going to do that first thing, as in, in what it looks like to invest in the next generation, we ought to invest in something that lasts forever. The Bible literally tells us that the, the flower falls off, the grass fades, but the word of the Lord, man, it lasts forever. Man of God, or a man walks with God. Number one, a man invests in the next generation. Number two, a man walks with God by knowing his word and walking his word and oozing his word and breathing his word. And here's the third and final one. A man understands his need for Jesus. A man understands his need for Jesus. Notice what it says in the next phrase, verse 4. That the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. As David is speaking here, he's actually quoting 2 Samuel chapter 7. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, God gave David what's called the Davidic covenant. In the Davidic covenant, God promised to David that he was always going to have a son from his family tree. Somebody from his ancestry.com was always going to be on the throne of Israel reigning as king. That's what he told him. One of your sons is always going to be the king. But the caveat that God gave David in the Davidic covenant was this. He said that you're always going to have a son who's reigning and ruling on the throne so far as that son is living faithfully to my commandments. You'll always have a man from your family who's sitting on the throne so long as that man is walking in my ways and living up to this biblical vision of manhood that I've given for him as the king. And if you know your Bible, you know that Solomon didn't live this. Solomon, at, through his lifetime, man, he was unfaithful. He failed. He led Israel into gross sin and wickedness and idolatry. And every king after him failed over and over. They got a new king that rose up, he failed. A new king rises up, fails. A new king rises up, fails over and over. None of these men had the power nor the ability in themselves to live out the commands of God that he's calling them to. And so what God did in his great mercy and in his love is God stepped into the world and said, I will meet the standard for you guys. 
The way he did that was through Jesus Christ, who lived perfectly according to the law of God. He was righteous according to the law of God. He never sinned. He was tempted. Think about this. Jesus was tempted in every single way that you and I are tempted, yet without sin. Like, can we, can we think about that for five seconds? To th- like, every single thing that you are tempted with, Jesus was tempted with those things, yet without Sin, no blame, no blemish. And then Jesus went in love to the cross and he said, because these men couldn't live the way that God is calling them to live, I'm going to die on the cross in their place, shed my blood, atone for their sins, and then rise again from the grave and invite them to find life, not in manhood itself, but in me. And guys, Jesus is showing us from the testimony of the Bible, and I believe David is even here speaking to his son Solomon to understand that, listen, yes, God is calling us to this great vision of manhood, but you can't do it by yourself. We are not men by picking ourselves up by our own bootstraps and saying, I'm just going to will my way to this thing. Our mentality as men sometimes is, hey, man, throw five more pounds on each side of that thing. I'm going to bench press this deal. Right? Our mentality as men sometimes is like, you show me the standard, man. You put the standard up there, and I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go dunk that thing. But it doesn't work that way with Christianity. Christianity is not you reaching the standard by yourself. Christianity is God coming down in love and saying, I'll meet the standard for you through my son Jesus and his shed blood for you on the cross. And if you will repent and come to me by faith, I'll empower you to do the things I'm calling you to do. So if we want to be biblical men to live out this vision, what we need is we need to to have the, the empowerment of Jesus Christ on the inside of us. And we got to be humble enough to admit that we need him. Got to be humble enough to admit that we need him. You can't live the life of a man of God without God. Men invest in the next generation. Men walk with God by knowing the scriptures and walking in the scriptures. Third and finally, men understand their need for Jesus. As I close my time here this morning, um, there was another 90s, you know, phenomenon that happened in my lifetime. It was called the Lion King. Anybody familiar with the Lion King? One of the most powerful moments in the movie The Lion King is when Mufasa is challenging his son Simba, Simba very similarly to what David is doing here with Solomon. If you know how the story goes, you know that Simba made this big mistake and Simba's on the run away and he's out just kind of hakuna matata, you know, he's living his life, no worries and doing this thing. But he's kind of running from the responsibility of really stepping up now that his father has died because now he's supposed to be the king. Simba's on the run, and there's this very moving and powerful moment when Mufasa, who's played by James Earl Jones, who has the most manly voice that you can ever imagine, and he says to him, Simba. He says, Simba. He says, remember, I want you to remember who you are, Simba. And one of the most powerful, profound parts of that moment was that that Mufasa was reminding Simba that, hey, you're on the run from responsibility right now. 
You're not supposed to be out here singing a kuna matata and having no worries and doing all of these things and eating bugs with Timon and Pumbaa. You're supposed to be back at Pride Rock leading. So he says, remember who you are. And one of the most important things about manhood is that when you understand who you are, it defines how you live. And I wonder how many of us this morning, God would be leaning over the balcony of heaven and saying to us, hey, remember who you are. Remember who you are. I need you to remember that you are a man that I have saved through the precious blood of my son, Jesus. Remember who you are. Remember that you are to be a leader and a pastor of your home. Remember that you are to be a man who invests in the next generation. Remember that you are to be a man who walks with me by knowing my scriptures. Remember that you are to be a man who rejects passivity. Remember that you are to be a man who leads courageously. Remember that you are to be a man who understands just how much you need Jesus to do the things that I'm calling you to do. A man invests in the next generation. A man walks with God by knowing his scriptures. And a man understands just how much he needs Jesus. And they walk it out, failing and stumbling and tripping along the way. But they do it clinging to Christ with a vision of what it looks like to honor him with our lives. Let's pray together and then we'll discuss some things. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to talk with these guys this morning. I pray that you would have said something that would penetrate our hearts and would challenge us to remember who we are, that we would remember that you have met the standard, that yes, we failed, and yes, we uh, are stumbling towards it, but you've met the standard. And I pray that you would, if we don't have repentance and faith this morning, we'd find it and we'd turn to Christ and we would allow Christ to empower us to pursue this design of biblical manhood, that we would invest in others, we would disciple younger men, that we would know your truths, we would walk with you through your scriptures, God, and that we would just constantly live in an understanding that we depend on you, that we need you. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so just a couple of discussion questions that I wanted you guys to kind of tee up around your tables is uh, number one, who taught you how to be a man of God? Let's talk about that. Who taught you how to be a man of God? Who, who taught you how did they do that? What did that look like? Number two, who are you teaching or who will you teach to be a man of God? So who is it? Maybe let's name them. Let's talk about who is it that God has put in your life that you could walk with and you could invest in and you could shape. Number three, how will you use the Bible to teach them? So not culture, not, um, you know, the, the things that we learned from culture, but how will you use the Bible this year to teach younger guys how to be a man of God? Appreciate your time, fellas. Thank you so much.
Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.